Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. If you're here this morning, I need you back next Sunday. We've got some huge, exciting things that we want to talk about next Sunday and we want to share. Um, And it may be the biggest announcement in the history of Zion Church. So we want you to be here next Sunday and begin to pray with us in our last week this week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. You can join us at 6 a.m. every morning or you can just pray where you are and pray with us. But I want you to pray this one specific prayer. God, what would you have me do in faith next Sunday? What would you prepare my heart for? I'm not going to tell you what it is because then the devil will help you to try to talk yourself out of everything. So I want you to pray one way. God, help me to prepare my heart to hear from you for next Sunday of how I can step out in faith and be a part of this season of Zion Church. So next Sunday, don't miss it. It's going to be amazing. But let me preach to you this morning for a minute of a message called Stop Crying. (laughs) I'm not jumping on you this morning. It's better than you think. Stop Crying. Stop crying. Jesus said it in Scripture. Stop crying. Here's what I know to be true. God has a dream. We all have dreams. But God has a dream, and his dream is this, that he would reconcile man back to him and that heaven would come down on earth. So then you and I have two responsibilities. Number one is to go into the highways and the hedges and to compel people to come here to church. Number two is, is that we would become an atmosphere when they come to church that heaven can invade the room and shift the life of people. That's our job. That's our mentality. And in order for that to happen, what is permitted in heaven is permitted in earth. What is not is not. What am I telling you this morning? If you want to see revival, repentance is necessary for revival. Repentance is necessary for revival. Revival is not a service. It's not a movement. It's not a plan. It's not a week. It's, revival is the heart of a man that has been transformed because he has drawn closer and is in good standing with God. It is the state of my soul. Revival. But repentance is necessary for that to take place. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, therefore, we are surrounded. Church, we have fans that are cheering you on by such a great cloud of witnesses. They're not just spectators. They're not just cheerleaders, but they are veterans. They are ones who have walked through it. They've been through it. They've seen it. They've seen what you go through. They've they've seen how how it all plays out. They've seen these things. And the Bible says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Watch this. And let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked for us. Come on, that's something exciting. 
God help me this morning to lay aside every hindrance of my life. Let me get a part of every sin that may be holding me back. Let me set it aside. It's entangling me. It's wrapping me up so that I can persevere and move forward in the race you have for me. This scripture is trying to tell us something. That we have encouraging words in the Bible from the heroes of faith. Now, a lot of times as Christians, we go to people for encouragement, and that's a good thing to do. You need encouragement in your life. But the true encouragement can be found in the word by people that's already walked through it. And if you just listen to what they're saying, they're giving you the words you need to hear to make it through it. And I want to look in Isaiah today and help us to see that Isaiah faced some pretty wretched things. But all in all, he had encouraging words and advice of what to do to get out of it and how to move your life closer to God. I believe Isaiah would start off with a scripture in Isaiah 30 and 21, and he would tell you and I this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That no matter what you face, no matter where you go in life, whether it be to the right, whether it be to the left, that you would hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Isaiah is saying, listen, God is still speaking to you. God's not stopped speaking to you. God's not given up on you. God's not turned his back on you. But God wants to say something to you this morning. But you have to make the right steps that you can hear him. Watch. If we really research this word by Isaiah in chapter 30 creates the most popular question in the Christian walk. But I believe this morning that we can trust the words of the prophet. I believe that we can trust Isaiah's words because he had a clear vision. 800 years before the crucifixion of Christ, Isaiah seen it and Isaiah prophesied to the T what would take place. 800 years before it happened. I believe Isaiah was a man of clear vision. So we can trust this morning what he's telling us. Because here's the thing, people could not see things in the Bible. So God would move upon his prophets and he would speak a word to the people that would cause them to see what God is doing. But we have something greater today than having to have that. But here's the most controversial question that it poses. How do I hear the voice of God? Pastor, how do I hear the voice of God this morning? Let me tell you one thing. It's in your notes. An encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. I didn't hear about God. I didn't just research God. I didn't just show up to hear about God. I had an encounter with God, and it changes everything. Here's your key verse today, Isaiah chapter 6. That's where we're going to be, first four scriptures. In the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That's a whole other message in itself. Above him stood the seraphim, the angels. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. I can't even wrap my mind around what it looked like or what it was like to see that. And, and one, one called to another and said this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4 says, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Can I tell you this morning that Isaiah was not a perfect man? Can I tell you that Isaiah struggled? That Isaiah faced pain? That Isaiah had heartache? But he had a desire to press towards God. Point number one, if you're taking it, because when we get to preaching, I'm going to forget them. Our current pain can be a driver for our future gain. 
What you feel right now, what you're going through right now, your current pain will drive you to your future gain. If you allow God to put you in the right direction and you hear from him. The Bible says in that scripture, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. Here's the thing. Uzziah was considered to be to date, to that date, one of the greatest kings. He was a good king. We also know that Uzziah started very well, but he didn't finish the way he started. But here's the thing. Isaiah was struggling because there are times in our life where God has to remove things so that we can see God. Isaiah had put all his trust in Uzziah. Isaiah was always looking to Uzziah as the king for his answers and the guidance of the things he needed. And now that Uzziah had died, Isaiah was lost. He didn't know what to do. But I want to tell you this morning that God will move things from your life so that you can see God clearer. How do you know that, Pastor? Now that he's lost, Isaiah once had his eyes on a throne that was, that was occupied, but now it's vacant. It was then that Isaiah seen the Lord. He said he went from his eyes being planted on an earthly vacant throne to a heavenly eternal throne that is, is forevermore occupied. What happened in Isaiah's moment was that he's looking at this empty throne and he's saying, what are we going to do? We don't have the king anymore. We don't have the, we don't have the goddess. What are we going to do? And all of a sudden, God reveals himself to Isaiah and Isaiah says, wow, that king's been, that throne's been occupied all this time. I was looking at the earthly throne, but there's a heavenly throne that forevermore has been occupied and it's not Uzziah that was sitting on it. He said, my eyes have seen the Lord. He went from seeing an earthly king to a divine king, from seeing a king which was dead to now a king who lives forevermore. He's trying to tell us that church, in the midst of your pain, God will draw the closest to you. If you will draw close to him, he says, if you'll draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. In your pain, in your situation, in your circumstance, don't run from me, run to me and I'll draw close. Isaiah said this, he said, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts of the thresholds begin to shake and the temple was filled with smoke. You know, there's something that happens when you have an encounter with God. When you begin to truly worship God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When you begin to really tell God who he is and see him for who he is, this whole thing that he's saying is as the angels were lifting their voice and they were singing, Isaiah said, I've seen the thresholds begin to shake. What he's trying to give you a word of encouragement is this, that if you will worship God with all you have, that God will shake the very foundations of your life. That God will take the threshold, the doorposts of your heart that's troubling you, and God will begin to shake those things into place. And the Bible says that as the threshold was shaken, the smoke filled the room. As God begins to shake things in the foundation, God will fill it with presence. God will fill it with anointing. God will fill it with exactly what needs to be in the temple. And that's what Isaiah is encouraging. Let the foundations of your heart be shaken. Let God shake them in your worship. Because sometimes if we don't worship, we don't feel like anything's happening because we're not allowing God to shake the foundations and move the things out of our life that may be holding us back from seeing him. Here's what's true. Once we see God clearly, we can now see ourselves clearly. One of the biggest struggles in life today with Christians is, is we don't truly see God in a clear manner of who he is. And that's why we may struggle to see who we are. I cannot see myself as who I truly am until I see God for who he truly is. Until I begin to understand his power and his might. Until I begin to understand his sovereignty. Until I understand his compassion and his passion for people. I can't see me. 
Because I'm made in the image of God. And if I can't see the image of God, I can't recognize the image that I've been created in. I have to let God open it up. It's vital that we run to God and not from God in the midst of our pain. Because Isaiah said this in verse 5. Here we go. He said, woe is me. He said, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. He said, but my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He said, I got some things that ain't right. I got some things that need to be shaken, but my eyes have seen the King. Once we've seen God clearly, Isaiah now sees who he is. He said, in the day that Uzziah had died, I seen the Lord lifted high. And in that moment, he said, what? Woe is me. Now I see who he is, and now I see who I truly am. See, sometimes we have a false perception of exactly who we are. We think that things we do and say and go about is good, and God is saying, if you would see who I am, you would realize that's not right. That's not acceptable. But you have to see me. God doesn't do this church to condemn you. That's where we say that if you don't see God, you're going to struggle. Because what we, we get this image that when Isaiah was saying, woe is me, that I'm going to sit at the feet of God because I'm, I'm saying that I have something wrong, God, and you're just going to condemn me and you're going to be harsh on me and you're going to beat me over the head with things because you're an angry and mad God. And God said, that's not who I am. I want you to recognize who you are that you can really see who I am because when you're sitting at my feet, I have one thing, and that is to draw you closer and bring you into a state of righteousness. God has no desire to act that way. He is begging daily with men to draw back. I don't want to have to use the wrath. I don't want to have to use all these things. See, we make it, well, God's a God of just. He's a just God. He's a wrathful God. He is, but he's a loving God. And I have the opportunity now to experience the loving God, but if I don't, one day I'm going to experience the just and wrathful God. And he says, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Woe is me, just just show me where you are, and I'll help you to get to where you need to be. Isaiah's encouraging you. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I believe with all my heart that God will settle your yesterday so that you can walk in your tomorrow. God has one desire for your life this morning. God wants to settle everything from this morning back. God said, let me settle it. Stop trying to do it yourself. Stop trying to fix it. Let me settle what you've been through, and I will help you to walk tomorrow. Let God settle it. Here we go. Everybody asks, Pastor, that's the Old Testament, so I'm going to show it to you in the New Testament. Exactly what we're talking about. Luke chapter 7. The Bible says, and when he came near to the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, do not weep. He said, stop crying. Stop crying. Then he came, and he touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up, sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. I want to show you something on the beginning of that scripture where it says, and he went near the gate of the city. Can I tell you that the gate of the city is where it happens? Listen to me. The gate of the city is where it takes place. This is where revival happens. At the gate. This is the place where death and tragedy come face to face with life. This woman had a, she had a husband. She had a son. She lost her husband and now she has lost her son. How quick does life shift? But she is walking away from her dwelling place and drawing out of the city. 
in the funeral procession. But here comes Jesus making his way right for the city. Because when they get to the gate, there is a decision that has to be made. I can either bring death and tragedy to the meeting place of revival where life has come and brought all things back to life, where dry bones are risen, where all these things happen, or I can turn and dwell in the midst of my pain and problem and not make my way to the gate where life begins to happen. Jesus has right there at the gate. Here's the thing. I have to let my problems my pain and my concerns be revealed in a way that call me out of the dwelling place of the darkness of my city and right into the presence of God. Listen, you can't let the things you face in life pull you back beyond the dwelling place that you already are. They ought to prevail you to the gate where death meets life. Watch. The Bible says that the Lord saw her a large crowd from the city was with her when the Lord saw her. This is so powerful. A prophet didn't see her. A man didn't see her. The carpenter's son wasn't just the word that said that seen her. This was not just another speaker. But the Bible says that the Lord saw her. Why is that important this morning? Because when the Lord is able to see your pain, we will allow his authority to invade our situation. When we understand that it is the Lord that sees your pain, you will allow his authority to invade your situation. What does that mean, Pastor? That means this morning that some people want salvation and some people want the benefits of serving God, but not many want the Lordship of God. But here's the deal. The benefits come with salvation, but not to the extent in which we desire. That's why people say things like this. I don't think God cares. It's not that God has not care. You have not given God control. When God is given control and you have surrendered control to God under the lordship of who he is, he now has no choice but to care. Well, how do you know that? Because the principle applies. If you don't own your own home, you have what they call a land lord. So what I am saying is I am surrendering through contract I am surrendering through salvation control of this property. Why? Because I want the landlord to know he has control because if something breaks on the inside, not only does he have control, but he has to care for the problem inside the house. If I give my lordship to Jesus under the contract of salvation that was purchased on Calvary, then when I have pain and problems in the building, he has to care and, make and move on behalf of what's inside. It's not that he don't care. It may be he don't have control. Because when he has control, he has no choice but to care. It says the Lord's seen her. The Lord's seen her situation and now what has broken down on the inside of her, he is there to fix. Because he has lordship, he has authority. But the words that he says this that make people think like it doesn't make sense, Pastor, is he said, stop crying. <laughs> How are you compassionate? The scripture says he was moved with compassion. He was compassionate towards her. And he said, stop crying. Like to me, that may be a little insensitive of what she's facing. I mean, she is in a funeral procession with her son. Stop crying. And we look at that and say, that was harsh. No, 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 that was accurate. Let me help you. 
He had compassion, but even in the midst of compassion, Jesus has to confront control and emotions. Even though he cares, even though he has compassion, he has no choice but to confront control and emotions. So do not expect the anointing to flow where there is no compassion. He's saying, I still have control over your emotions. So if, the, if I'm going to claim to be anointed, I have to have compassion. Where there is no compassion, there is no revival. I have to care for what he cares for. What is he saying to this woman, church? He's saying, listen, stop crying. Your emotions are not aligning with my character. Your emotions and your concern and your doubt and your fear is not aligning with my character because the Bible tells us that even our emotions are subject to the Holy Spirit. How do you know that? The Bible says, be angry, sin not. My emotions are still under the control of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling her, listen, you're not lining up with who I am by crying. Get it under control. Jesus is telling her, he's saying, I can fix this. But you have to get your emotions under my authority. I, I can fix your situation this morning. That's what he's speaking to us today. I can fix it. I can make it all better. I can make it all right. But you have to get your emotions under my authority. You got to let me have control. You can either focus on him being dead. Watch this. Watch the emotions. You can keep crying and you can keep on with this funeral procession. You can keep crying about the things you're facing. You can keep crying about your situation. You can keep doubting what's going on. And you can continue with the death and the procession of the funeral. Or you can face the fact that I'm here. He said, because if you continue to focus on the fact that your son is dead, guess what? He's going to stay dead. But if you choose to focus on the fact that I am here, just me being here has the power and authority to change that which is already dead. He said, if you'll focus on me, you'll get under my character. You'll align under my authority. The one who is here is capable of raising your dead problem to life. But you got to choose. Either you focus on the death of the situation and leave it as it is, or you turn your control to me and give me authority and watch me bring it back to life. Watch me raise it from the dead because here's the most powerful understanding of what he's saying. The arrival of presence is the announcement of intervention. Listen, the arrival of presence is the announcement of intervention. He doesn't have to come in the church this morning, church, and sit next to each of us and give us a script of what he's going to do in our life. We ought to know that the arrival of his presence already is the announcement for intervention. When Jesus shows up in the room in the form of his spirit, it's already the announcement that I am here to intervene. Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. 
you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea. God has not put his spirit, he's not put his son here. He's not done these things to be a cheerleader. He's not a spectator. He don't like sitting in the seats. He don't like coming here and not getting the job done. He says, when I arrive, I am intervening. If you feel my presence, I am there shifting. I am already moving when you see that I'm in the room. And he's never going to explain to us what he has to do. But here's what I like. We would expect in this scripture that Jesus would walk up and that he would touch the boy and say rise but he touched the coffin he touched the coffin why would you not address the boy what does the coffin have to do with all of this why are we looking at the coffin this is real deep before Jesus can fix your problems this morning he's got to apprehend what's carrying you before he can bring to life what's got you feeling like death, he's got to apprehend and arrest the one thing that's already carrying you. He's got to get that under control. How do you know that, Pastor? Because here's the thing. In the case of this, this boy was laying in the comfort of the coffin in the hands of the pallbearers. He had transportation to where he was going. The Bible says he touched him, but watch what happens when he touched the coffin. It says he touched the coffin and all those who were with him stood still. He touched the thing that was bringing the transformation. He touched the box. He touched the thing that, that gave us comfort, but he made the things that were carrying us stand still. What does that mean? Jesus shows up with authority, and he touches the area of your life that is carrying you from place to place, pain to pain, suffering to suffering, and here's the deal. When he touches your transportation, every spirit that is attached to that transportation has to stop and release you for your destination. When he put his hand on that coffin the ones that carried him in the funeral procession had to stop and stand still because his destination was no longer the grave but it was back to life Jesus will address the transportation and the spirits that are attached to it he'll halt the transportation that's carrying you the sin the darkness the things the deep things that you do the things that nobody knows about the secrets of life, the dark sin that we think is just there and it's just okay. He says, I will touch that area and cause every demon attached to it to stand still and release you for your destination. God will intervene, but there's one more step to it. Has anybody ever seen a coffin put in the back of a hearse with the lid open? Have you ever seen them take the person in the coffin, leave the top open, and take them to the graveyard? No. They close it, and then they move on. But the Bible says that this one was already open. Why was the, why was the top of this coffin even open in the midst of a funeral procession? God will not handle your situation until you begin to open up with the things you have. There was death on the inside of this coffin. There was pain. There was heartache. There were struggles. And had that top not been open, it would have not gave a clear vision to the one who is capable of changing it to see the very need that needed to happen.
when you open your life and you say, Jesus, here I am. There are things inside of me that are not right. There are things inside of me that have apprehended my life. It's entangled me. It's beset me. It's drawn me back. And it's taken me by transportation and spirits of attachment to a place I don't need to go. He will stop the transportation. He will halt the spirits. And he will move on behalf. How do you know that, Pastor? I've never in the Bible seen where Jesus opened the coffin. Jesus didn't open the door for healing. He didn't even roll back his own stone. The entry to the place of death and discouragement and pain and struggling had to be opened and rolled back for the spirit of resurrection to arrive. I'm saying something so simple. I can't be resurrected in what I'm dealing with until I open up for the inside. And let him see what he's doing. He's not going to intervene, church, until you open up with him. He says these words. He says, rise to the young man. And I want to tell you this morning that God has come to touch the comfort of your box and to release you from what is carrying you to a place that you don't want to go. Let me go back to Isaiah and prove it to you. That it's always been this way and it's still this way today. Woe is me, I cried. What did Isaiah do? God, I've seen you for who you are. My eyes have seen the king and woe is me, I've opened the box. Woe is me. Here I am, God. Watch. For I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. The next verse says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand which had been taken from the tongs of the altar, which that he touched my mouth with. Watch. I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, God, I've opened the box. But I'm a man of unclean lips. And he touches the very lips Isaiah's talking about. He apprehends the thing that's carrying Isaiah and releases him from it. He says, now, watch this. See this, has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Now watch this. Pastor, here's the question. Here we go. Here's your answer. How do I hear the voice of God? Isaiah couldn't hear him at the beginning. But now, he touched your lips. He apprehended the thing that's carrying you, the thing that's besetting you. You opened up. You allowed him to see. Now your guilt's taken away. Your sin's atoned for. Watch this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Now I hear God. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Rise up out of the death of your transpasses and move in the victory of God. He says, God... I know that I was bad, but when you touched me, when you apprehended the thing that had me, he said, you have made me ready, and here I am, God. I'm ready to go. Send me. Send me. That was the meeting point of revival in Isaiah's life. But I want to tell you something this morning that every Christian cringes to hear. God is going there. God is going there. Either God, I am going to allow God to go to the deepest parts of my life or I will not spend eternity with him. God is going to the depths of your life. 
Whether I let him do it today or I let him do it tomorrow or I let him do it the next day, I will have to let God touch the very depths of my life and my struggles and my pain and my situations if I want to spend eternal life with him. As bad as it hurts, as bad as I want to go by it, as bad as I want to move forward, he's saying, until you open the box and let me touch it, there's no change. It's just like a fig tree that has leaves but no fruit. It looks good, it sounds good, tends to want to be good, but it's not good. And good men and women is not what makes heaven. Men and women that are repentant of the heart and ready for revival is what makes heaven. That's what brings heaven down. He goes to the altar and he takes and he touches the unclean lips of Isaiah and he says, your your guilt's gone. Your sins are atoned for. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus has done the same thing and he wants to apply that to us. At the cross of Calvary, he died on it. He took the blood of the cross and that's applied to the very depths of our life. That you and I can be drawn closer to him It's the blood of the altar that is applied. And I want to tell you this is when we said at the beginning, this is why you need small groups. Just going to throw that in there. This very situation is why you need small groups. The Bible says, let us confess our faults to one another. Why? That we may find healing. Does that mean that I need to stand before somebody in a small group and just confess all the sin of my life? No, no, no. Let me open the box and allow somebody to help me in this journey of drawing me closer to God. Because when I open my box and they can see what's actually dead in my life, they probably have been there too, and they can help me to find healing. Just because I'm saved don't mean I'm healed. Just because I have repented and drawn closer to God does not mean I am healed on the inside. We can carry roots in our heart for years that need healing and still be saved. But that's why he said, confess these things. Talk about your pain. Talk about your hurt. Talk about your struggles. Do life together and let one another help it. So what's my responsibility this morning, Pastor? Three points, I'm out. God wants you to seek him, that you may have a full revelation of him. God wants to reveal more of who he is to you this morning. Isaiah 55 and 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God is saying some simple things. Don't run from me in your pain. Run to me. The pain is there that he may become closer. He's also saying something else. Do not run to the grave, but run to the gate. Let death meet life. And let the fight, listen to me, let the fight of survival meet revival. Whatever you're facing today, do not run to the grave of death, but run to the gate of life. And do not let the spirit of survival overcome God's spirit for you of revival. God wants revival in your life, and my response is to go all in. That's my responsibility this morning, to go all in with God. Can I tell you that I've spent areas of my life in the past when I thought I was all in, and I wasn't all in. Not at all. And it wasn't until I went all in with God 
that I really begin to see God do some miracles when I surrender to his lordship. I'm telling you that this morning because it may be something simple. Your, your way of worshiping God may be what the, the one thing he's asking you to go all in with. It may be your study life. It may be your prayer life. It may be how you open up to him or open up to others or what you do. It could be simple and it could be different for every one of us. But God is saying this morning, go all in because point number two is God wants to forgive and transform you. God wants to forgive you for all you've done. But God doesn't just want to forgive you. God wants to forgive and transform you. Why? Isaiah 1 and 18 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. I feel like God's left me and I just ain't got nothing to cling to. If you are willing and obedient, he says, you will eat from the best of the land. He goes on to say, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow in the fullness of your salvation. I can walk through life for many years and not experience the fullness of my salvation of what God really wants for me. Because I still want the baby things of Christianity. And the reason people fear to get off of the, the baby things of Christianity is because of the accountability and responsibility of the meat and matureness with God. And he's saying, but until you really get off of that, you're not going to experience the fullness of your salvation. He says, cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have a taste of the Lord's kindness, what is he saying? God wants to change us. God wants you to discover who you are and to take the next step with him this morning. Come on, stand with me. The last thing I want to tell you this morning is God has a plan for your life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, for we are God's masterpiece. Church, you are a masterpiece. You're not a mistake. You're not just another piece to God's puzzle to complete the work he was working on. You are his masterpiece. God took time with you. God made you the way he wants you. God said, that's the masterpiece. You don't have to try to be like anybody else. They're not the masterpiece for your life. How do you know that? Because he said, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in my neighbor. He has created me anew in my friend. No, no, no. That he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Watch this. So we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. And my responsibility to that is to pursue God this morning. We think that the funeral procession was headed for the graveyard, but it was headed for revival. Sometimes you look at things in life and people will make you feel like it's headed to the graveyard and God says, it's headed for revival. The graveyard is the other way, past the dwelling point of the darkness. Revival heads towards life. The procession was headed towards the Savior that was coming towards the gate. Your situation this morning, the enemy may try to make you sound and think and believe that it's headed for the graveyard, but I have come to tell you that your life, your situation, your marriage, your finances, your church, your kids, your friends, your family are not headed for the grave, but they are headed for revival if you will take them in the right direction of a Savior. But I must pursue him first so that they can follow the right procession. 
Because when your situation is handled in a way that those following you think you are headed to the graveyard, that is exactly where you will lead them. But when they look at you and they see that you believe in a God that is going to resurrect the things that you're struggling with, they're headed for revival. They're going to follow your pursuit. And can I tell you where Zion Church is headed this morning? Revival. Everything the enemy meant for the bad, everything he meant for the, for, to, to hinder and to slow down the move of God, God said, I'm shifting it, I'm turning it, I'm changing it for the good. We ain't headed to no graveyard, but we are headed towards revival. People will pursue revival. People will pursue the Spirit of God. People will be like Isaiah. They will walk into the presence of God in an atmosphere where heaven has met earth. And they will say, God, woe is me, for I've dwelt in unclean lips. I've dwelt in a lifestyle that's shameful. I've dwelt in a place I shouldn't have been. But all of a sudden, I've seen the king. My eyes have seen glory. My eyes have seen revival. And today, God says, I'll touch the box you're living in and I'll resurrect your life. I'll resurrect your relationship with me. I'll resurrect your prayer life. I'll resurrect your study life. I will resurrect your influence and everything that people see on your character. But I wonder if there's anybody this morning that says, Pastor... I see your procession, and I'm following it. Because this bus is headed for revival. This bus is headed for glory. Glory means sealed in the victory of God. This bus is headed for a presence of God like never before. A lady called out of nowhere last week, and she said, Pastor, she sent it through a message, Pastor, your church, your leaders, your team, those people, those families, those visitors, all those who are coming are headed to a level where we have not poured out the Spirit of God yet. They will see me in a way they have not seen me, and they will go to new heights they have never been. He said, the Spirit of God has not been seen in this way and that's when God told me pack up the procession and head for revival that's where I'll meet you so where is your heart this morning stop crying stop crying stop worrying about it he said you can focus on what you're crying over or you can recognize that I'm standing right here and just me being here is enough to change what you are crying over. Stop crying. Father, we love you this morning. God, we thank you for every own time, word, and revelation you ever give us. But God, I cling and believe, proclaim and declare this morning, God, that you are sending a people towards revival like we have never seen. Toward the depthness of your spirit like we've never seen. A move of God like we've never seen in this church. And God, I pray, Lord, that the procession would be right in line with the Savior. God, that we would surrender control this morning and say, God, I believe your word. I believe who you are. And I will surrender control that you may have lordship this morning. I want my emotions. I want my feelings. I want my wrongdoings to be lined up with your character. I want to be right behind you. I'm not looking to be in front, but I want to be behind you as you lead, God. As wherever we turn, we're going to hear your voice. We're going to walk in that way. We're going to take that path and God I thank you this morning Lord that if there's anybody in this room that has not this morning accepted you as their Lord and Savior right now God you would help us to make that decision 
God, that we would pray, Lord, from our hearts this morning, knowing that we are born sinners, God. We are born in the midst of unclean lips, but we can see the king this morning. We can see God high and lifted up on the throne, and we can make a decision to repent, and repentance brings revival. And we can say, God, help us. Remove these things from us. Lord, come and be the Lord of my life, God. Help me, Lord. Forgive me this morning. God, if any of us have went astray, you're here to meet that need this morning. That we can turn around, God. We can get back right with you, God. We can be restored. Some of us may be battling sickness this morning, God. That can be resurrected this morning as well. Relationships, finances, careers, whatever it may be, God, you can resurrect it this morning. God, as these altars open, I pray that you would draw us that much closer to you. Let a cry for revival ring out from this room this morning. Your presence in this room is the announcement of your intervention, and we claim it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. These altars are open. Come on, let's worship him for a minute. Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, GEICO has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to GEICO. It's obviously a good idea. Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Pretty cool, right? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep, they also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenny.com. Prescription glasses starting at $6.95.